What are your dreams? My dreams is to meet somebody. <laughs> and I finally get to meet you, and I think you're really cool. I like her so much. This is so fun. You're my lion, and I'm your lioness. I really like how you hold my hand. Cheers to us autistic people that are coming over leaps and bounds, now possibly finding love. Yeah, like uh, like uh, the, the love we have for your show at Card Killers. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Yep. Hello and welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood. And most importantly, while both you and I, Tom, have found the loves of our lives, there are people mm. who have not. Uh, Bryce. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that, was, that was very unfortunate. It felt like an insult <laughs> to Bryce. So that was a trailer. There are people who have not. Uh, mm. Bryce, tell us about the trailer that we just watched. That is the trailer for Netflix's upcoming adaptation of Love on the Spectrum, called Love on the Spectrum US, uh, which documents the efforts of people who are on the autism spectrum to look for love. That is coming to Netflix May 18th. I'm interested in that. The trailer is very heartwarming. Yeah, yeah I, it I, looks amazingly heartwarming, doesn't it? Uh, I, I would imagine uh, there was a little bit of a of a tickle of like, is this exploitative? And then I thought, uh, is aren't all shows about looking for love, you know, uh, uh, fixed like, in uh, after uh, edit sure. and so on? After the, at the very least, you're offering them a structure to consider trying to find love through. Well, it's not also, like there's a yeah, better alternative. As long as there's informed consent on all parts, mm -hmm. then it's a. Do I want to see horrible people I hate try to date each other, <laughs> or these people who look perfectly wonderful and nice? Like. I think yeah. maybe I would like to watch these people this time. Uh, yes, and that is exactly what I thought. And now to shine the bright hot spotlight of the final judgment, uh, we go <laughs> to Anthony Levels. What do you say, sir? I'm all for some positive TV, especially when it comes to the, the sludge that is reality TV. So, Yeah, yeah I, I, I suspect um, uh, if my interactions with folks on the spectrum is any uh, guidance, that we'll get a lot more authenticity from this than any dating reality show we've ever seen. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, probably. Uh, well, then, shall we move on to our primary target? I tell you what. Uh, freebie needs to get into the dictionaries because spell check autocorrect cannot handle it. Amazon's prime video and freebie. That's the new name of IMDb TV. Uh, will use virtual product placement in their original shows. For example, uh, a bowl full of brand new M and M's like the new pretzel M and M's could be put on an empty part of a table in a scene where there wasn't anything when they actually shot it. Henrik Bastin, CEO of Fable Entertainment and executive producer of the show Bosch Legacy for Amazon, uh, was quoted as saying, it creates the ability to film your series without thinking about all that is required with traditional placements during production. Uh, you know, you have to light the M&Ms right and all that stuff while you're also trying to do your scene. Instead, you can sit with the final cut and see where a product could be seamlessly and naturally integrated into the storytelling. Amazon has already been doing this. They've been beta testing it in shows like Reacher, uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, and the Bosch franchise. Uh, Making the Cut and Leverage Redemption have also tried it out. Uh, one brand, they didn't name the brand, though, uh, but Amazon says one brand saw a 6.9% increase in favorability, as well as 14.7% jump in purchase intent uh, that they, they say they could directly attribute uh, to these product placements. Uh, Amazon may also do 
dynamic inserts. So uh, stuff could go into a billboard and it might be a little different every time you watch it. Uh, other signage could get the same treatment. Uh, and if you think this sounds familiar, Peacock uh, announced a similar program called In Scene Ads not that long ago. So this is more than just Amazon doing it. So I want to try and experiment, Tom. Uh, everybody, cordkillers at gmail.com is where I want you to write. Uh, I, I, I want to hear from Anthony first. And then I want to try to present both sides from the artistic side and the consumption side. And I want to know if we feel like as a, as a whole, this is a good thing or a bad thing. As long as it's not distracting, I think it's going to be a good thing. Cause they've been doing things like this for video games, stuff like that for years. And honestly, if, uh, if we can get the advertisements placed in there and it's not taking me away from the scene and I don't even know that it's there. I'm all for it. Like, let's let's do this, especially if it if it brings in like maybe a second market to change the advertisements out for later for other you know uh, syndication and things like that. I'm I'm down with it. I'm good with it. So uh, here's the counter argument. Uh, and and by the way, I'm I'm more on your side. Uh, I'm so glad that you said distraction. That was the key word because to me as a child, it was distracting that the Eminem uh, uh, like object that lured ET into uh, or out from a shed was a, a lesser brand than M&Ms and so on. Uh, but they also mentioned that they're able to see trackably that they were able to affect consumer decisions and consumer excitement about things is the counter argument might be if you don't notice it and it's confirmed to work, might that not be an argument for why we shouldn't be thrilled about it. Like maybe this is a, 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 a maybe it's M&Ms now, but what happens when, let's say the Chinese government wants to pay for something to be swapped out for something that on a cultural issue matters to them? Yeah, uh, and and Merrill uh, Barr is in our chat room pointing out that the, the concept of this isn't new. In fact, uh, he, he notes that How I Met Your Mother had dynamic inserts on old episodes that were in syndication, but advertising modern movies. Um, this is a new way of doing it at scale. The, the technology makes this a lot easier, uh, gives you more ability to do it in more places than you could do it before. Uh, so this is going to become something that can be used by more brands in, 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 in more situations, at which point it can, it might, or it might not become distracting because, you know, it, it is right that. Uh, this isn't new and we've all seen product placement and we've all seen versions of it where we're like, oh, that was so awkward. I could tell that was product placement when they rolled up and was like, hey, is that a new Ford Taurus? Oh, yes. Anyway, that's not related to the plot, but it sure drives great. Now let's get on with the plot. Uh, those are awful. This, I feel like, is great because those M&Ms on the table look perfectly natural there. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of product product placement that has happened that I never noticed. Uh whether it was effective or not, you know, you can, you could argue, but they're, they're saying it is. Uh, and so having you not be distracted by it, but also having it have an effect on you, I think is good for us all as, because if it's not distracting you, that means it weaved into the plot nicely. Uh, and, and then they made you aware of something that you wouldn't have been aware of otherwise. Uh, it also has the ban benefit for anybody who is a creator to create without the restrictions of knowing that this deal with the Ford Motor Company or whatever is about to come through and make sure that the F-150 is featured prominently in these shots, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 
to be honest, it reminds me in the world of podcasting, I give this to both of you guys, it's a little bit like those dynamic ad inserts. Like, I don't know what regionalized Jiffy Lube ads are being played on, on certain episodes of shows that we do. And it frees me as a creator to not even think about it. Is, is, is that an upside of this? Yeah, I think so. Amos, what do you think? I, I think it definitely is, especially if uh, if it can maintain some integrity within the production staff itself and the the director, you know, all that. Um, if you don't have to worry about catering to to the advertisers and, and things like that, you can just create the show that you want there, and then the adver- advertisement can be handled after the fact. Like that's anytime you can you can release creativity in its most raw form. I think you're gonna have a better product overall. Again, as long as it's not distracting to the listener, the viewer, whatever, I think it's a win. Okay, point. But I I wanted to address the the point about China, right? Because let's say there's a a poster on the wall that sometimes when you watch the show, it just says uh, M&M pretzels. They're the greatest. Uh, But then suddenly one day you watch it and it says Xinjiang wool. Uh, buy it now. It's totally ethical. And you're like, wait a minute. That seems odd. Uh, Where did that come from? Uh, I, I, I think that's not a problem with this technology. That is a problem. That is a problem with, uh, that is a social problem of like who gets to place what, where, uh, and certainly there's an aspect of this that makes it easier that, that could make that problem more acute, but it's already a problem, I guess, is what I'm saying. Uh, correct. And I a hundred percent agree. And, and to me, this is an opportunity for us to, uh, reflect in, into ourselves about what's important to us, because it sounds like we all agree as consumers, as long as it's not distracting and obvious and, and annoying, then we're thrilled with it. Fine. Uh, we also agree that for creators, uh, that gives them more freedom or whatever, but there is that question of the absolute efficacy because the reason, and again, not this particular technology, just the idea in general of being able to constantly refine up to the moment, this dynamic ad insertion, this dynamic messaging insertion, um, like where are the limits of it? Like, Like what about, let's say three different edits of a movie go out and depending on the political climate, one, two, or the third goes out and it's dynamically uh, reshuffled or whatever. Uh, uh, at gmail.com. I want to hear where it begins to get icky for, for all of us individually. Yeah. Are you going to mind if you rewatch an old movie and, let, and let's say it's a movie that's new right now, but, but years later it's like, Oh, I love that movie. Uh, I'm going to go rewatch everything everywhere all at once. Uh, and suddenly the products in the background are different. You know, will that bother you or will you not even notice? I don't uh, know. Uh, Justin Robert Young told me recently that uh, there was a uh, Avengers Endgame cut that that showed up on like a Blu-ray special features uh, deleted scenes thing that involved everybody uh, Colin Kaepernick style taking a knee at the end, like making a political statement that eventually was cut. Uh, what if that became a dynamic ending to it? And depending on whether you are in a red state, blue state, blue state, or with your browser cookie history or whatever, yeah, exactly. you've got Even a different version of that. Where, right? Yeah. yeah like, yeah. Uh, and what if you realize your political leanings have changed when you watch it and you get a different ending and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Or, or, or what, what if it realizes me? it based on your browsing habits before yes. you realized it? Yeah. Right. yeah oh, man. Well, privacy is dead anyway. So. Yeah. Um, that's, you know how I know that because Amos backs this show. I know all about him. He is a boss of our show. 
it's a conflict of interest for us to have him on this show. Uh, because he <laughs> if you too would like to engage in graft, but you don't want to actually go to prison for it, then join us over at patreon.com slash cord killers. It's the only place to unethically buy yourself a spot on the show and still sleep at night. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's patreon.com slash cord killers. <laughs> do it now. Do, do we dare check? Oh wait! Oh no, no 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 no! I've got I, I'm I'm good. I, I I used to have three digit disease, but but man, everybody ah, rallied. They made magic happen, and and we have one thousand and three fantastic bosses. I have. Uh, it's not a geeky number disease. I would like that to get to ten twenty four. Thank you. Patreon.com slash cord killers. Let's move on to how to watch. IMDb. Maybe this is why they changed to freebie because the URL for this thing I'm going to talk about is imdb.com slash TV. IMDb, not IMDb TV, has launched an app for Fire TV in the U.S. called IMDb What to Watch. IMDb says it uses its own data to create games that can help you, the player, discover a movie or TV series to watch, and then it will recommend it across multiple streaming services. Now, I couldn't find a good list of what those streaming services are, but uh, I assume it's going to be Hulu, Netflix. Uh, it's going to be beyond just Prime Video and Freebie. In addition to the titles, it also can list your genre, runtime, IMDb rating, a plot summary and trailer. Uh, you can use the Fire TV remote to launch uh, the title to watch. The main game is This or That. That lets you pick between options like highly rated or trending until you get a full sentence and therefore a recommendation. Uh, you can also limit results by running time and ratings while you do this as well. If you're like, I don't want anything over 90 minutes. Another game called Watch Challenge gives you digital stamps as you watch uh, and rate things from a curated list, uh, like for instance, the top 250 movies or award-winning titles, uh, stuff like that. So it's more of an achievements kind of challenge. There's also a seemingly more random game called Quick Draw, that just deals you three options over and over uh, until you find one you want. Uh, so it limits your choices, you know, so you're not looking at this endless list. You've only got three to choose from. You don't like any three, you, you say deal again. Other games will be added in the future. There's one they're planning called Time Machine that'll let you see recommendations from a particular decade. Build a cast will let you assemble your dream cast uh, and then choose any shows that include them or uh, the the closest to including all of the people in your Dreamcast, Brian. What do you think? Uh, it's it, it's a way to get people out of that paralysis of choice. Uh, you know what? In the spirit of IMDb slash dot com slash TV, Tom, would you like to hear the positive or the negative take? Ooh, uh, let's start with the bad news. What's the negative take? Uh, well, the negative take is, so you're telling me this app is going to train me to tell me what to watch, and at any moment, with no uh, transparency whatsoever, it could just say, uh, uh, do you like chocolate or peanut butter? You will watch Avengers Endgame, <laughs> this version. Uh, that doesn't seem great. Uh, it seems like it's highly corruptible, highly influenceable, highly harvestable for my personal data, and probably not done with my personal interests at heart. Would you like to hear okay. the other one? All right. 
could could be data mining you before before we toss it to Amos uh, for the defense. What's the positive reaction uh, to this? We are not good creatures at picking from a list of more than three things. Full stop. And, and so much so that when the during the Cold War to disarm the Allies or, or the United States and the Soviet Union, they would run algorithms that would say. A or B, which is better? A or B, which is better? And it was only after thousands and thousands of trials that they would figure out, okay, this is what you should ask for. This is what you should accept. And both sides ended up, every time they would do nuclear disarmament or, or a pulling back from war, uh, both sides felt good. It's literally possibly why we've had the long peace since the 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 19 middle of the 20th century uh also there's another uh form of psychological survey where you can extract data that you yourself didn't know whether it's about your political biases or uh maybe uh for, for your amorous tendencies they'll do weird things like um uh, uh even if you promise to keep it anonymous you wouldn't want to say, yes, you would or would not engage in some particular act. But if they said, here are 10 things, what number of these would you like to do? You're like, seven. Here's another list. What number of these would you like to do? You're like, I don't know, six. Here's another list. And then eventually it's like, okay, you didn't say it, but we figured it out. This is, this is your line. Uh, this is great. This saves us from ourselves. And, it, and, and part of me loves the idea of a fingerprint that does me the favor of not having to say out loud what I really like and possibly reveals something to myself about myself. Okay, before you answer, Amos, just, just one extra piece of information uh, regarding the negative here. Uh, IMDb says it does not capture user data from what to watch, except if you do a star rating for IMDb, then it adds it to its database. The picks recommended are based solely on your game inputs and existing IMDb data, not personalized. To track and rate what you watch, you will need to create or sign into an IMDb account, which saves your 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 data then. But that's up to you. You do not have to be signed in to use it. And I, I would also submit that this is nowhere near the level of fidelity that, let's say, YouTube gets, where they watch every, yeah. they watch how long you're watching, when you click off to other windows, when you come back, that kind of thing. And in fact, they say our app is designed to deliver the perfect pick based on what you're in the mood for in the moment, not what an algorithm thinks you want to watch. My only concern with this is that they are not trying to intentionally steer me towards their service. As long as that hurdle is passed, I think this is great. You're going to gamify telling me what I should watch when I'm in the middle of choice paralysis. I'm all for it. This is awesome. This, I've been wanting this forever. You know, just let me let me make some simple choices. Let me tell you what services I have, and you can give me a, a choice. Hey, there's two shows that we think you might like, regardless of whatever service. It's just whatever with the service that I have, I'm all for it. This is this could be a great boon for my uh, mid afternoon nap time. In fact, the, the the only downside I could think of, really, to be honest, is that it might not work very well. You know, it might make recommendations, and I go, nah, I don't really want to watch that because. <laughs> Because maybe it doesn't know enough about me and what I've watched already, right? Yeah. It's going to keep telling me things I've already watched or something like that. That is, uh, that's really interesting because imagine that <laughs> that the data shows that they really do know what you want, but even you don't know that you want it yet. So then they have to add a middle part where they argue and they say, 
I know you don't think you want this, but trust <laughs> me, you want it for these fingerprinting reasons. You don't know what you want. Uh, trust us. What's just that? It's called the brushwood mode. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, you don't know it. what you want. If you don't like it. You can stop, but just watch 10 minutes of it. I and mean, we swear we, we bet you'll keep going. Yep. Um, this, this is the kind of thing where I, th I think it actually could be useful. Like you said, uh, Amos, even as it is, I think IMDB has gone to great lengths being an Amazon company to not use personal information as much as possible, mm -hmm. uh, to which end, I do wish we had personal data containers that we had full control over because I would like to make it better. I would like it to, to be able to let the, the software locally on my machine without keeping that information and giving it to anybody else. I would like them to be able to look at my tracked database and say, Ooh, okay, well we can do a quick look at that. Know a little bit about your taste and what you've seen already and make a more informed decision. If I knew it was going to be able to do that on my local device without sharing it anywhere else, I think that would make a better recommendation. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's, that's why I think a service like Plex where you actually control most of the, the hardware yourself might, might seem like a better fit, but then they're not going to have the resources that IMDb would have to really extrapolate what, what you want to watch with the answering of the question. So I don't know. Again, I think privacy is dead. So just give me the, you know, give me the give me the game and let me play it and tell me what to watch. Yeah, but I do think but, it's super and, smart. I I understand the sentiment of privacy is dead, but what about your private self that's not even revealed to yourself? Like like, would you mind if 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 the algorithm let let's say let's say Tom and I got your results and got a profile of you, but it didn't send it to you? You'd be okay with that? I think that would uh, that, that would incur some interesting conversations over some beers. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, whatever <laughs> you say, case. boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do love this idea that uh, to to get back to what you were talking about, Brian, with the with the sort of you don't really know what you like, uh, and and giving you simple questions, right, so that it's easy for you to pick. Like, oh well, yeah, no, I I, I like uh, musicals, not westerns. Uh, you know, and just sort of I don't really like either, but that's fine. They're not going to give you a musical or a Western. That's just going to help them kind of triangulate where to narrow it down. I think, I think that part of it is genius in, in the, this or that uh, side of it. Uh, I also like the watch challenge, even though that's, that's not personalized, just kind of motivating you to watch the top 250 movies. I would like it to not be the top 250 IMDb new movies necessarily. Like give me the ability to choose like the AFI list or, or the rotten tomatoes list or, or something like that. It, it could be really aggregated. fun. Yeah, 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 be able to provide your own list. But I, I like that achievement-oriented kind of thing. Even the quick draw is pretty great because it's like we understand the choice paralysis is the problem. So if, let's just try reducing the choice. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, Tom. Uh, I don't think in an alternate universe I ever would have seen Casablanca. But instead, you said, I dare you, Brian. I dare you mm -hmm. to watch this movie. And not only did I watch it, I watched it with my 13-year-old at the time. And I am a better person for it. And so if we're talking about a virtualized version of exactly that experience, yeah. I'm all in. Yeah, no, I I think this is interesting and uh, an advantage for the Fire TV. Uh, you know, I hope it wasn't lost on people that while they're doing all this privacy protection stuff, this is only available on Fire OS. You can you can only get it on your Fire TV. You're not going to get it on a Roku. You're not going to get it on an Apple TV. Uh, it's apparently not even going to work on the web. They're they're just making it in the app for Fire TV, which is annoying if you don't use Fire TV. But 
a, a smart way to add a little feature if it does catch on. Well, and and also to uh, provide that sense, if not that reality, that sense of of safety for your data and not being mined or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. All right, let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. Like we just talked about what to watch. No, we talked about a thing that will tell you what to watch called what to watch. <laughs> Got it. But this is a segment called what to watch where we tell you what to watch. Got it. What See? should we watch? <laughs> Give me uh, an A or B choice. <laughs> well, would you like to watch, you know, I'm really tempted to do is, is everything everywhere all at once or Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. But unfortunately, this story is only about Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which opened to $187 million domestic. $265 million international for a global $540 million. It's the 11th biggest North American weekend of all time. Not just pre- since the pandemic. Second biggest since the pandemic. 11th biggest of all time. Uh, it is not necessarily a given that a big movie is going to do great right now. It's not like, oh, people are so starved. They'll see anything. Uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and Morbius did not nearly do as well. And they were big movies. Uh, the Batman did nearly as well, 134 million. Uh, so it looks like we may be returning to a world where it's the movie, not COVID, that determines the box office. That's what the folks behind Top Gun Maverick coming May 27th, Minions, The Rise of, of uh, Gru uh, coming July 1st, Jurassic World Dominion, June 10th. Uh, that's how, what they all hope. They, they hope their movie is good and that they will do well because of it. Thor Love and Thunder is coming July 8th. That seems to lock though at this point. I, uh, man... It was a lot of fun going to the movie theater and seeing all the trailers uh, before Doctor Strange and feeling like it's almost like the before times. And I, I to anybody who's uh, thinking I'm uh, poo-pooing uh, safety, I'm not. It's but uh, but I think we're entering a world where it's like uh, uh, concert venues would promote certain bands and they would say weather permitting and i think that's where we're at is we're we're, yeah. we're back to normal in terms of our ex- expectations for entertainment but asterisk weather permitting i am excited to get back into the theater i saw maybe two movies during the pandemic and at my local theater it's never really crowded anyway so it wasn't much of an issue and the two times that i did go i think it was twice the theater was basically empty except for my family that went you know if there was somebody else in the theater they were several rows behind me or whatever else um, but I'm looking forward to having a summer of actual movies where we can go and see some decent, I'm not even a big movie goer as far as the theater goes, but I'm kind of excited for this uh, because and, I want to return to normal. Amos, I know Tom tried to walk right past it, but I'm not, I'm going to hold his feet to the fire. Uh, as somebody in the know, the real question everybody's asking is, does this mean whether it's shortened or not, that we're going to have some form of the summer movie draft this year? Yeah, I would like to know that too. Uh, <laughs> Kent and I have been waiting for our invite, so yes, I, I'm looking forward to that answer as well. Uh, it it I, as I was writing this up this morning, it, I was like, man, this is uh, definitely feels like it's safe enough to possibly try a summer movie draft. Yeah, right. And, and what's funny is the the safe enough part is the part that is completely unrelated to the content. Uh, it's it's almost as though we're we're gambling on the weather more than than yeah, the, exactly. the content. <laughs> Your weather permitting thing is exactly it. Like we could plan yeah. a whole movie draft, and then suddenly, who knows what happens? I'm not even gonna just limit it to COVID. Like who 
who knows what would happen and suddenly all the dates change and everything like that, uh, which is why we haven't done a movie draft yet is because dates kept changing. I feel like Top Gun Maverick is a little bit of the canary in the coal mine because it was one of the ones that they just kept moving. They were just like, you know, we're not putting this out until we feel 100% confident that everybody who wants to see it can come to the theater this, to see it. And so they're putting it out May 27th. That that feels like a watershed moment in a way. So yeah, may, maybe we're at that point. I, I thought you were going to put my feet to the fire on something else, to be honest. Uh, uh, what's that? About the fact that it's in your contract that you are to be digitally de-aged to always appear under 50? No, wait, I'm thinking nope. of Tom Cruise and Top no. Gun. Now that different Tom, but also a clause in my contract. Uh, no, I was thinking of the uh, the, the little uh, friendly wager we had on on whether you would see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness go above 150 million or not. Oh, dude, I, I was wrong. Totally wrong. Yeah, and I wasn't sure I was right. I was like, I know they'll go above 150. Will they make it to 200? No, I don't think so. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, so, so it shows that this movie, which is not universally beloved, some people do love it. Other people don't love it as much. Uh, didn't matter. People are like, you know what? We've been waiting to see this for a long time. We want to see it. I'm being quiet on purpose right now. Why is that? Because we're about to talk about stuff we've been watching and we'll yeah. probably talk well, a little bit about Let's talk about something else real quick before we get back to Doctor Strange. Disney Plus's Obi-Wan series finally arrives Friday, May 27th. You're going to get the first two episodes on that Friday, and then it'll shift to Wednesday releases until the finale comes out Wednesday, June 22nd. And they released a new trailer uh, showing a pivotal conversation between Obi-Wan and Lars Owen. Uh, the front panel of what looks like uh, Darth Vader's suit and Obi-Wan in places that don't look like they're all Tatooine. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of places that this can go, both uh, geographically and thematically. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not against it. Wow, we've come to a place, Tom, where childhood Brian teleported to the future and heard about an Obi-Wan-themed uh, series uh, that he could watch at home, and I was like, eh, I'm not against it. I ain't a it. Uh, Amos, what about you? This, uh, they, they haven't disappointed me yet with the Mandalorian and with, uh, uh, Boba Fett. Like they, I haven't been disappointed in this series yet. I've gotten pretty much what I'm looking for, but I think this is the riskiest, riskiest one yet. And I'm hoping that they continue the trend of keeping me enthusiastic and wondering what's going to happen next. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. You, uh, I, I, I am excited about the possibilities that uh, because on the one hand, you're very constrained in that we know how, you know, uh, Obi-Wan's story ends. But, you know, let's say uh, you know, there's some kind of opening uh, idea that it's like they're about to find out where Luke Skywalker is. We have to create a fake Luke's imagine like an operation mincemeat type of story where it's like, we have to trick the empire into going to the wrong place. And there's an encounter against Darth Vader or whatever. That'd be awesome. I, I think there's a lot of ways this could really, really work and be a, a, a joy for me. Yeah. Uh, it looks to me like what they're going to tell us is the story of what happens after Obi-Wan has dropped off the kids at Alderaan. Uh, you know, and, and Tatooine. Uh, why is he still there in A New Hope? Why is he still there when he's not allowed to have contact by by Lars Owen with Luke? Uh, what happened in the intervening time 
did he just like hunker down and, and the, or did he venture out every once in a while? And why does Darth Vader say when last we met, I was but a learner. Now I am the master. Uh, if Darth Vader's in this Obi-Wan series, these, these are all questions I have. And I'm, I'm actually kind of more excited after this trailer that, oh, we're going to focus on this part of the story. Okay, good. I'm in. Well, and, and uh, there's so many other, like, this is crazy, Brian, thinking, so please take nothing from this. But, like, imagine, like, uh, uh, a lot of agents who are there to monitor folks create different identities in different physical locations. So maybe he's got an identity on Tatooine, and he's got another identity on Alderaan. He's got another ben. identity... Yeah. Right. That's right. I mean, and yeah. then imagine a season three, four, and five where you're like, oh my God, he's got a, another secret person he's watching. Now he's after. Jeff Kenobi. And over here, he's Bill Kenobi. Oh, and good old Doug Kenobi. Here he's Jane Kenobi. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Game of Thrones spinoff House of the Dragon comes to HBO on August 21st. The first trailer is out showing lots of platinum blonde Targaryens, a few dragons, even a Stark and a Baratheon, one of each. Uh, we also get a peek at Corliss Valerian, the sea snake. This is all a prequel, if you didn't know this already, set a few hundred years before the events in Game of Thrones. Uh, would I be crazy in pitching my theory that this trailer is an intentional feint to imply that um, it looks an awful lot like many other big epic fantasy series like this tribe, that tribe, that tribe, and so on. But, of course, what made... Game of Thrones work was the fact that it was very human, very about these interpersonal political machinations. It was House of Cards before we had House of Cards and so on. I, 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 I trust that they've not forgotten the formula that brought them success, but, or maybe I'm just hoping. Hoping. Yeah, right. Uh, Avis, what about you? I'm a little torn on this because I really enjoyed Game of Thrones. I love the the atmosphere of it and the the acting, all that. I'm excited that Weiss and Benioff are not part of this project directly. Um, but there's and there's and there's plenty of material for them to base things on and build stories off of without actually having a storyline to follow. Um, there is a a goal that you need to get to in 200 years or whatever it is. I'm really excited about this. The first episode is going to tell me a lot, though. Like if they can maintain that suspense and that that thrill that the original series gave me, but things are looking up. I'm I'm really excited. I was surprised at how not excited I was by this trailer, and I hasten to add, I'm going to watch this. I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to watching it. I own the book that it's based on, uh, but I watched this trailer and thought, yeah, okay, I I'm going to watch it, and I, I didn't get that fired up like, oh my gosh, this looks so good situation, which makes me lean towards Brian's theory of, of, of it being a bit of a faint maybe. I, okay. But again, I don't know if we're just both hoping or believing this. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. Yeah. Um, uh, all of my perturbation is in how uh, the last two seasons of Game of Thrones went and how it just kind of didn't, it didn't pull me in as much as I wanted it to. And it didn't resolve in a way that was satisfactory, but I'm trying to put a, put my personal like angst with the ending of Game of Thrones aside so that I can go into this a little fresher, but I'm still hopeful. I'm still very hopeful that we're going to get a product that is fascinating. Uh, they wanted to keep the same color palette and a lot of the same graphics and things like that, so it should have a familiarity to it, and I'm really hoping that they can capture that, give us a good story based on loose 
um, source material instead of a, a script that they're going to eventually deviate from. Um, and really just keep us in the world of Westeros and let's, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm really hopeful. I, I have a theory uh, because there is, there's an actual thing called priming where uh, people around you saying a thing makes you more, more likely to want to believe that thing. Uh, and you can resist that. There's lots of countervailing notions to that. But when it comes to something like Game of Thrones, you have less reason to resist it, especially if you're talking with a bunch of friends. And I feel like there were things that were going to be hard to fulfill on when you didn't have source material for the last two seasons that caused a bunch of people to decide they weren't going to like the last two seasons before they really gave it a fair chance. Mm. I also don't think it would be possible to give it a fair chance because of the conditions in which we were in. So I try to correct for that uh, when I think about those last two seasons. And because of that, I think those last two seasons have got some really good stuff in them. They are certainly of a different flavor. Uh, and that last episode, uh, I can't decide whether I like or don't like, and whether that indecision is because of uh, the, the that sort of psychological trap that we're all in. So I kind of hope this is a way out of that way of thinking to be like, you know what? I'm not, I don't even have to decide anymore. Let me, let me just try a new thing that I have no prejudicial notions about. I can almost guarantee that Jenny Josephson, Richard Gunther, and I are going to continue the Let's Talk About Thrones podcast, and uh, you'll get our, our raw reactions immediately after if you want us to be very wrong very early. <laughs> Excellent. I'm <laughs> glad to hear that. All right. Let's talk about what we've got our eyes on, starting with you, Amos. Uh, what's something you've been watching lately? So I've... I, I love the thrill, that, that, that small thrill that you get from discovering something that has happened in the past and getting details about it. And specifically, I'm talking about true crime stories. My problem with them is that they've always been very boring. They're either so far in the weeds that I just can't follow what's going on, or it kind of glosses over things and doesn't really give me the flavor of how people were feeling and what people are going through and, and how police discovered such and such and blah, and blah. I have found a channel that's been out for a few years, been going on uh, like twice weekly episodes called That Chapter on YouTube. And it's a, a dude by the name of Mike O. And he's an Irish guy that breaks down um, crimes from lots of like lots of different countries, different states, all that stuff. And he does it in a way that keeps it at about 20 minutes per episode. It gives you enough of the flavor and some snippets, some video snippets, some testimonies, some 911 calls, that kind of stuff but doesn't get so far in the weeds that you get bored. And he adds a little sarcastic humor on top of it and kind of presents it in a way that makes it a little less daunting to get into while also not being boring. And I've been just binging it. Um, I think it's great. I think you guys should check it out. That chapter on YouTube. It's pretty good. Oh, very cool. Uh, Brian Brushwood, what about you? Uh, I, uh, whoa. Oh, man, I just got back from two days from now. The date is May 11th, and I'm here in the United States, and in the future I saw a vision of a movie on Netflix called Operation Mincemeat, directed by John Madden, the guy who did Shakespeare in Love, starring uh, uh, Colin F F Firth, I think his name is, and, and uh, Matthew McFadden. Uh, it tells the riveting tale of an idea inspired by Ian Play. It's, uh, uh, hey, uh, listen to World's Greatest Con. Guess what? There's a movie of the same story. It was a lot of fun to watch the movie. They, um, I, I don't know what I'm allowed to say about it just yet, but I'll say 
that uh, we took liberties with how we broke it into four chapters. They took liberties, uh, some chronologically, some narratively. Uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend the experience of experiencing both of them. Yeah, it seems like it's it makes World's Greatest Con the perfect companion to this movie, right? Uh, well, and we did our best to stick to uh, the source material uh, in in every regard, as as far as like uh, uh, what's generally accepted as likely and unlikely, the order that stuff ha happens. We shine each of the four chapters with a different theme uh, about the world of uh, deception and and me personally. But uh, but when you're doing a movie, you get to tell uh, a story inspired by true events and maybe you get to shift the order a little bit or make characters a little more prominent and uh it's a delightful visual treat uh that i if you listened and enjoyed uh, world's greatest con give it a try excellent well i finally got to the theater and watched everything everywhere all at once on friday night uh and I was struck since I had just seen Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness two days before at the parallels in these parallel universe movies. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is hard to describe in its parallels without spoiling both of the movies, but they have lots of things that overlap, like down to guy in a wheelchair that's sort of for you, but also against you <laughs> like weird little parallels uh, like that between the two movies. And I personally enjoyed everything everywhere all at once a little more than I did. Dr. Strange in the multiverse madness. That doesn't mean I didn't enjoy Dr. Strange, uh, but it was such a clever new way of telling a story. Uh, and it was done well. Sometimes a clever new way of telling a story leaves you flat because it didn't work. This one absolutely worked. It kept me guessing. It had me groaning. It had me cringing. It had me laughing. It had me applauding. Uh, and you have no idea what you're getting into uh, and until you're into it. I would venture to say you could actually read a plot summary and still be surprised by this movie, but it's way better if you don't. Uh, Deep Impact and Armageddon. Like father, like son, Ooh. and vice versa. Right, right, right. Movies uh, tend Volcano to come out in Dante's pairs. Peak. Yeah. And if I'm going to say there's one action-adventure, multi-dimensional, alternate universe movie you should watch this year in 2022, make it everything, everywhere, all at once. You can watch both. It's not against the rules. Uh, <laughs> but if you can only watch one, uh, I'm with you on that, actually. Uh, Which order would you recommend watching them in? Uh, I, well, it depends. Do you want to be sorely disappointed in Doctor Strange or no? <laughs> I watched Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness first, and then Everything Everywhere All at Once, and had a good time. In both movies, I had a good time. Yeah. Sounds like that's the way to go. Yeah. That, we call that the, the Temerit Order. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, see what uh, Bryce says we should be on the lookout for. Hey, Andy sent in this pic. Andy writes, hey, killers, your boss here. Uh, you said previously about Lilyhammer that there were uh, that there was more Norwegian spoken in it than any other Netflix show. While that may or may not have been true, I recently came across a show on HBO Max that rivals it. It's a Norwegian show called The Beforeigners, mm. uh, and it is an immigration allegory where the assimilating cultures are not displaced in space, but rather in time. The conceit is that uh, three groups of people from the past, from uh, Victorians, Vikings, and Stone Age people, 
uh, keep traveling forward into modern day time for an unknown reason. Um, the show is centered on a modern day cop and his first of her kind Viking partner. The show does a good job of handling the premise with respect and realism while recontextualizing immigration in an interesting way. And the show's creators and writers are Anne Bjornstad and Aleph Skodvin, who previously created and ran Lilyhammer. Thank you so much, Andy. Uh, I've had this recommended to me before as well. Uh, highly recommended, as a matter of fact. It's on my list. This yeah. sounds awesome. It reminds me of what I loved about District 9, where they were recontextualizing, uh, you know, uh, in the short uh, Alive in Joburg, uh, uh, where they made it about literal aliens instead of illegal aliens or, or uh, uh, various ethnicities. I'm not uh, smart enough to know uh, what they were going for, uh, but uh, but but I love the idea of that you have people who don't know the customs, don't know uh, what's what, uh, and and do you accept them warmly or not? Yeah, uh, I think it's very cool. I only watched uh, maybe the first ten or twenty minutes of it or so, but I thought it was really interesting, and uh, uh, I think it's worth a, a watch. Also, by the way, this show came out a couple years ago, so there are actually two seasons, and they're available now. Uh, it is an HBO show, so you can watch it on HBO Max or any of the other HBO apps. If you've got something we should be on the lookout for, please email it to us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you. I wrote a song, Brian. Uh, you know, I read that you wrote a song, and I read the story of the song, and I got all the way down, and I hovered over listening to the song, and then I didn't. And that moral dilemma, that complicated relationship, that level of honesty that I experienced is the type of thing you can only get at freetomnewsletter.com. <laughs> uh, to, to, to be either clear or disappointing, if you had clicked, you would have only got the lyrics, oh, not a performance. Oh, <laughs> but it was about what? Uh, I went to the urologist to have my prostate ex <laughs> examined, examined Yep, because I'm over 50. Um, and I made up a little song in my head about it later that day that I could not get out of my own head. I earwormed myself. And so I decided to share the the story of how it came about at Free Tom Newsletter. And then I was like, I can't just paste it in. I can't just paste the lyrics in. I have to I have to give people warning. Uh, so so I, I I put it in a separate document on simple note and said, if you really need to know the lyrics, click here. Uh, but but I think you and a lot of other people thought you were going to get more than just a, a lyric sheet. You you thought you were going to get a performance. To that I say, careful what you wish. Uh, yes. Uh, well, if you want to experience the same moral dilemma, freetomnewsletter.com. Uh, meanwhile, of course, eventually you've got to upgrade your system. So head on over to our friends over at doghousesystems.com slash rogue. Use promo code rogue, R-O-G-U-E at checkout. You'll get some extra stuff and help them know that we're the ones that you heard about them from. Yeah, our bits are flowing through there right now. Let them know if you like them flowing through those machines or not. DoghouseSystems.com. All right, move on to the front lines. Front lines. And one of these days, I'll I'll not have to do this disclaimer, but Tubi, owned by Fox Entertainment, which is not a Fox property that was sent sold to Disney. Fox Entertainment is an independent company not related to Disney. Anyway, they own Tubi, and Tubi announced more than 100 original shows coming in the next year. Uh, now, a lot of those are, are reality shows, unscripted shows, uh, but that's still a lot of shows, uh, and some of them are scripted. And in fact, animated series The Freak Brothers is returning for a second season. Uh, Tubi raised its viewership from 33 million in 2021 to 51 million in Q1, 
ad-supported streaming is on the rise. Uh, it also is going to expand the linear channels it offers. Uh, Tubi didn't usually do this, but they've started adding these. These are the Pluto TV-like you know, offerings where you, you just jump in a stream and, and they show you what's on. Uh, so they're adding a channel for The Masked Singer. You just want to watch a bunch of The Masked Singer, you can do that. Uh, there's a Gordon Ramsay channel, which will have various Gordon Ramsay shows on it. Uh, and uh, advertising-supported services, or AVOD, as they call them, like Tubi, uh, have been growing twice as fast as subscription-based services. Uh, meanwhile, Paramount Plus added 6.8 million streaming subscribers last quarter to finish with almost 40 million. Paramount, uh, overall, when you add in Showtime and other services, reported 62 million streaming subscribers worldwide. Paramount-owned Pluto TV, which is free and ad-supported, reached 68 million global monthly subscribers. Uh, and Paramount Plus is, is coming to more countries, launching in UK, Ireland uh, on uh, June 22nd, South Korea in June, and Austria, France, Germany, Italy, and Switzerland later this year. India gets it in 2023. It's, it's a minor point, and it's not going to matter to most people, but it's it's 68 million global monthly active users with Pluto because there are, you don't have to subscribe. It's free. Got it. So they have they have a different they have a different metrics for that. Uh, Lionsgate announced last autumn that it's looking for options regarding Stars, the uh, the channel slash subscription streaming service. Deadline reports that Roku uh, and Apollo Global Management are teaming up to make a bid on a minority stake in Stars. Uh, apparently, Directv is also apparently interested in buying a piece of Stars. Lionsgate and Roku have partnered on content in the past. Uh, Roku has a deal for a streaming window for Lionsgate Films to show on Roku Channel. Uh, and last month, Stars reported 19.7 million subscribers, uh, which isn't doesn't make it one of the bigger streaming services out there. But you compare it to Showtime, and and it's, it's hanging right in there. That's also up 44% on the year. And AMC Networks ended Q1 with 9.5 million streaming subscribers. That's across AMC Plus, Acorn TV, Shudder, Sundance Now, ALLBLK, and HIDIVE. I don't know if those are pronounceable or spellable. That's the majority of the and the majority of the subscribers are on AMC Plus, though. Yeah, 9.5 million, not a lot. I think they have a branding problem where people think AMC Plus is just stuff that's not on AMC. And it's not. AMC Plus is like, get shows early. Get shows before they're on AMC. Uh, so they, they've got a bit of, of public education to do there. A few other notes. Uh, Better Call Saul hit number two on the Nielsen streaming chart for the week of April 4th through the 10th. Uh, remember, those Nielsen charts kind of come out late. Uh, that was people trying to catch up, though, before the season premiere. So it's probably going to be a big season on AMC for Better Call Saul. A uh, new series of My Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman is coming to Netflix May 20th. Guests in this season include Billie Eilish and Will Smith, uh, not the catcher for the Dodgers, nor the guy who works at Tested. I think it's the actor. Uh, Cobra Kai Season 5 will premiere on Netflix September 9th. ESPN Plus will stream its first exclusive NFL game on October 30th. So if you want to watch Jaguars versus Broncos that day, you're going to need ESPN Plus. Pakistan doesn't have Disney Plus, but folks there will get a chance to watch Marvel's Ms. Marvel series in theaters. Episodes one and two are coming June 16th, and then they'll put two episodes in the theaters every two weeks thereafter. Uh, there's only six episodes in the series, so it'll be a three-week run. Jonathan Levine has been uh, put on board to direct a sequel to Dirty Dancing, starring Jennifer Grey and set in the 1990s. I'm very intrigued. 
Uh, new Jackass series is in development at Paramount Plus, and NBC has uh, ordered its Quantum Leap, se- Leap sequel to series. Remember, they had ordered a pilot. We talked about that before. They liked the pilot, apparently, so it's going to series. Uh, Amos, uh, we just dumped a lot of news on you. Uh, which of these pop out and, and uh, pique your interest? Dirty Dancing sequel, because I know my wife is going to want to watch that, so that's that's going to end up being mandatory watching for me. And... Um, I don't know. Something about people voluntarily hurting themselves and not dying really makes my day. So, you know, new, new Jackass series. I'm I'm down. I'm ready to go with that. I really want to see Jennifer Grey de-aged to be a slightly older Jennifer Grey in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. And then will it be pre or post nose job? Uh, uh, I, uh, today I learned very, she got a nose job. I, I don't bring that up as a shaming thing. <laughs> she very famously after Dirty Dancing had worked on in her nose. And some people say she didn't get parts after that because she didn't look like she looked in Dirty Dancing. So I don't know. I'm very curious. I have so many questions about the Dirty Dancing sequel. Uh, I have more re- now. Re- releasing the, uh, releasing the, the Mrs. Maisel or Miss Marvel series in theaters for Pakistan, that's, that's actually an interesting, an interesting twist. Yeah. Yeah, a good, good way to do that. I mean, you could also just launch Disney Plus there, but I'm sure there's, Plenty of reasons, plenty of other hurdles to that. All right, let's get to the dispatches from the front. A, A Brian, but not Brian Brushwood, wrote in and said, hey, Tom and Brian, but not me, uh, listening to your... (laughs) <laughs> that, would, that would be a very suspicious thing for somebody who isn't Brian Rushwood to write in. <laughs> it would be, really. He didn't write the not me. Uh, I, I ad-libbed that. Uh, but the Brian did write, listening to your desire for some time travel TV, I thought I'd tell the story of a pandemic project of mine. During lockdown, I thought maybe now was the time to make a dent in my DVD box sets of TV shows from the 80s and 90s, so I ripped whole seasons to a Plex server, where they remained unwatched, Like choosing something on Netflix, I was just overwhelmed by choice. I still enjoy flicking through channels and accidentally watching the last half of Wayne's World. So I decided to see if I could program my own linear TV channels to help me watch my DVD backlog using a combination of an old CRT, two Raspberry Pis, an RF modulator, and a Kodi add-on called Pseudo TV. I can now sit down in the spare room and travel back to my youth where the only decision I need to make is do I watch channel one or channel two? To further set the mood, I interspersed the TV shows with old promos and IDs from early Sky Television. Thanks to this, I've been watching lots of Batman circa 1966, I Dream of Genie, Bewitched, and lots of other DVD box sets. I picked up these more than a decade ago, not to mention plenty of Quantum Leap and Star Trek. Some of us still like scripted comedy on linear TV. Uh, Brian, if if you've not already seen this on some YouTube channel out there, please hit me up, brian at schwood.com, S-H-W-O-O-D, because this would be a fantastic build episode of The Modern Rogue. This would be amazing, beyond words. 
I love that he did the RF modulator and the CRT, right? Uh, like, w- w- which which matters like more than you would think. Yeah. TV, right. Like we want, he wanted the whole experience. That's amazing. That's uh, so cool. Uh, I may or may not have a, a MAME cabinet over here that has an actual CRT monitor. And boy, that makes a real difference. Uh, in fact, we talked about back when we were watching season two of Stranger Things, how disappointed I was to realize that one of the games very clearly had an LCD screen and so on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, I'm so glad we got that email. Thank you, Brian, for sending that along. Uh, I I have a dream someday of being able to just watch TV from any date, any channel, and have it all there with the shows and the ads and and everything. Uh, and I feel like 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 this Brian just made that a step closer to possible. So thank all you. Right. We don't need to pick favorites. It's fine. Well, but I mean. The, you're 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 my favorites in different ways, Brian. See, I said we don't need to. Do, okay. Hey, we got an email <laughs> from Ander in Washington. <laughs> uh, yes, Ander says hi. This is a message from your boss. Until further notice, all discussion of Avatar needs to be prefaced or appended with blue people or Airbender or another appropriate designation. Merely discussing an upcoming second movie about water provides zero clarity. Even expressive guarded optimism does not differentiate between the two. Everything else regarding your job performance is excellent, so we shouldn't have to take this up with HR at all. Uh, Ander, great minds think alike. That was one of my favorite parts of being in the movie theater with my daughter, Penny. I was like, Avatar 2, water. Avatar 3, fire. Avatar 4, the last airbender. <laughs> uh, yes, we will We will either say uh, blue people or airbender. Uh, or we'll say Cameron, <laughs> uh, the Cameron avatar, until he. Makes well, you know what? Uh, uh, let's be highly divisive and say the good one, not the other one. <laughs> oh, but not, but not tell which what our personal. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, everybody will know, but yeah, no, that'll that'll be nice. Amos, which one do you like? Uh, I prefer the Airbender. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. They're both my favorites in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> hey, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, our favorite guest on this show today was Amos, though. Anthony Lamos, uh, let folks know what you're up to and where they can find it. Uh, you can find everything that I'm involved in over at anthonylamos.com. I've uh, been really, really picking out on my uh, my photography lately. So the links to my Instagram are there. And there's uh, several other important things that you should know about me and what I think about the world all on anthonylamos.com, including links to all the podcasts that I work on and host myself. Excellent. Go check it out, folks. Our website here is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. And we're live on twitch.tv slash night attack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going on? I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons, all these wonderful names. I'm sorry, names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra- they're, they're scratching our itch, like, because we're I think addicted. as long as it's consensual, like, we're, we're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, (laughs) goddammit. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this (laughs) broker.